check to, oh, there we go. Well, good morning. It's a pleasure to be here with you as, as always. Um, I think Tammy and Dennis hyped this up significantly. So I told Kelly last night, I hope I don't disappoint. <laughs> um, she, I said she set the bar really, really high, so I just gotta, I gotta get that, gotta get that bar. Um, I'm, I'm excited. I, I was, I was very honored to hear that Tammy was excited <laughs> uh, because I think it takes a teacher to understand the, the level of depth that I went through uh, the last time, and, and to really understand what this type of um, study means for all of us. And, and if we can just understand Scripture in this way, specifically the Old Testament, then I think it, it opens up um, more understanding, more revelation for, for what the Lord is doing. And so we're going to walk through, very similar to what I did last time, we're going to walk through uh, a couple of words. Um, and <clears throat> when I first taught on this, what I was looking for was, was just a deeper understanding of, of prayer and um, a, a, I think a, a more a scriptural basis, a deeper scriptural basis for those particular words and, and what they meant. So if you haven't gone back and, and listened to the last Sunday School that I spoke on, um, do yourself a favor. Don't do it. I'm just kidding. Do it. It's, it's good teaching, but, but more than anything, it sets a foundation for what we're going to talk about today. And, and not that you have to. This is not necessarily a, a sequel, a part two. Uh, it is going to be very, very similar to last time's teaching. The only difference is I'm going to use a different word. So um, if you look on the back of your handout, you will see this handy-dandy chart. Last time, the handy-dandy chart was a little bit different. It just had the um, glyph for the symbol, the modern version, and then a basic meaning. And, and what I did was I used that for reference, essentially. So anytime you see this, this uh, Hebrew glyph, this Hebrew letter, you can essentially say this is what it means in the Greek and, and get a, a very basic, very, very basic understanding of that letter. What I did this time is I've given you the letter as it would be pronounced. So Aleph, Bet, Gimel. Uh, I've given you the pronunciation of, of the letter, so when you think about the Aleph, they actually don't pronounce that. If you see it in Scripture, it's not pronounced. Um, bet is as in Bethlehem. So the pronunciation is not the word associated with that letter in the English. It is just used for pronunciation, so don't let yourself get confused. Uh, I did so many times with Mem. I had mother there, so now I started associating the letter M with mother, and they really don't have anything to do with each other uh, other than they start with the same letter. So don't let the pronunciation confuse you. It's just so that you can pronounce it. It's, it's not because it's associated with it. But I thought what was most important for me in, in this time was a, a genealogy of how we got here, and, and that's through the ancient glyph. Um, so you'll see where it started and now where it is with the modern. Ancient modern. So the very first one that you'll see at the very top is um, supposed to be a bull. This is how they wrote the ox, the bull. This, this represented the letter A. 
Um, there's a very cool graphic online. I didn't put it in here, but it basically shows how we got from that bull to that modern Hebrew and then into our letter A. And, and it's quite fascinating to see the, the evolution of that letter all the way into modern times. So obviously they still use it like this. This is their language. In English, we turn it into an A, but, but that's what that symbol means. So as you start looking through um, your understanding of scripture and, and those specific letters as you're doing study, you can refer back to this and, and say or see where it came from. Why, why did they use that particular letter? Uh, Lamed is a good example. It's the, what, like the 12th or 15th down. Um, it, it is a shepherd's hook, shepherd's crook. Uh, it, and it really, it means authority. So anytime they use that, they, they use that as reference to authority. And when you think about a shepherd, that's, that's what they had. They had authority over their sheep. And, and it wasn't just authority, it was protection. And, and not just protection, but guidance. And, and there's all th sorts of things that are associated with that particular nuance of thought. When you think about um, the shepherd's hook and, and what it represents, that's, that's how this language is built. And, and to me, that's, that's what was so fascinating about the initial studies, because that was, for me, new. Um, and, and maybe it was for you too, and, and maybe it's not, but that's, that's how these letters are represented here. So I wanted you to see the ancient, I wanted you to see the modern, because that's what we're going to be looking at, and then I gave you a basic meaning. Now, for clarity, this basic meaning is very basic, and, and it, is, it is just scratching the surface of what this particular letter in the Hebrew represents. So again, we'll take that, that Lamed. Um, the, the shepherd's hook, and you'll see that the basic meaning is it's a rod, right? Uh, authority, tongue, teaching. It, it's, it's represented by these basic meanings in Scripture, and so we can kind of ascertain some things from it, uh, which is helpful, it's good, but it's not the full meaning. You're going to get more of the full meaning once you start doing a true deep dive into that particular letter and its usage. Um, you'll start to see some, some themes and some patterns with it. I, I can't give those to you because I don't know them all. This is so uh, high level and so cursory, it's just a guide to get you started into um, what it means. And, and the whole purpose of this teaching was to show you how to do that. So we're going to do that today. Uh, we're going to do a, like a true teacher, we're going to teach. And then at the end, we're going to do. So if you turn to the back side of this chart, you'll see that there is two large ones at the very bottom, Pele and Pala. Uh, I'm going to let you interpret that word for yourself and what the meaning is. So get excited. Um, it's a quiz at the end. And we're going to go through all this study together. And then if we have time, we'll talk about that very end part. And if we don't have time, uh, you'll have to turn it in and get a grade and... We'll go from there. All right. Everybody good? Yes. We know what we're doing? All right. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the faces, face of the waters. When, when Tammy asked me to teach this again, I was like, well, i got to pick a new word, right? So I'm going to go find a word. And the best way to find a word is to start at the beginning. So I did. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and then this verse comes up, and, and immediately my spirit said, yeah, that's it. Let's start here. 
spirit. We have talked about Ruach. We talk about it all the time. Pneumatikos individuals. Uh, Pastor has spoken about a lot of the concepts that I'll be talking about today. So this is not going to be new information for you. Uh, what I've done is, is found the etymology of that particular letter so that you could see how, we, how they got to where they got and, and then potentially what the Spirit wants to show us going forward. Um, but, but again, none of this is new. We're going to talk about Ruach. We're going to talk about Nuwak. So let's start with Ruach. Uh, I have given you, it's kind of like a cheat sheet, I've given you the Hebrew letter in Strong's, the association. I've given you the Hebrew letters there so you can see them. Um, when you look at it, here's, here's the other thing too. Some Bible study tools are, are going to give you that same word when it's not actually the same word. And, and I, think, I think if you're really going to study like I've done here, you're going to have to find some good resources for, for you to be able to rely upon them. And, and a good example of that is I love Olive Tree. It's the one that I use the most. But when I do a search for Ruach 7307, um, and then I do the derivations of that or the root of that, it's going to give me that same pronunciation, Ruach, without the W in the, B, in the middle. It's going to be a different number, 7306, but it's going to say the same word, and, and it's a misnomer. It's not the same word. There are differences in the words, and those differences are important. So Ruach means wind. Uh, it's translated as, as spirit. It comes from here, heaven, quarter, breath of gas, air, and it's these three letters that have come together to spell this word. Resh, wow, wow, and chet. And if you look on the back, you can see how you pronounce those particular letters. So ruach is what we get from, from these three. Ruach is what we get from these three letters. Resh, Wal, and Chet, or Chet, is how they pronounce it. What is the little underline and the dot mean? So those little underlines, and the, thank you for asking. I wasn't going to get to it, but sure, why not? The, the little dot and the line are used by scholars so that they don't, um, they don't misassociate the word for another word. Because the, it, it, so it has nothing to do with vowels. It just has to do with association and the way that you pronounce this. The other thing that you'll see uh, as part of what you're asking, if, if you look on the back again, some of these letters have two letters with them. They're decorative. And, and what that means is at the end, of, if it comes at the end of a word, they, it changes the structure of that letter. So um, mem is a good example. If it's at the beginning or in the middle of the word, it's going to be that squiggly looking line. If it's at the end of the word, it's going to be that box looking character. So some of these things are decorative for the, the dots and the dashes. Uh, it's the way that you pronounce it. It's the way that um, it's used in a sentence, whether it's a preposition or a verb or whatever. Those little dots give you that sort of meaning. We're not going to dive into that because it's very, very complicated. And I don't truly understand it. I, I would wish I could go to class and, and, and do a study on that, but I, I don't have time. I don't have the money. Uh, but that's what it means at, at a very basic level. The, the good thing for us is that you don't have to know those things because we're going to go, again, surface level. If we wanted to really dive deep into it, we would get a little bit more into that, but we don't have to. Hopefully that answers your question. The dot moves. The dot moves. Yeah. 
That's a different problem. All right. Um, so Resh, Wah, and Chet. So the, the first letter here in Ruach uh, comes from Resh, and, and it means head, highest, most important. If, again, looking back and forth in, in the back of your, your sheet, you'll see um, the ancient Hebrew or Aramaic symbol was literally a head. It looks like a little face, right, with hair and everything. He's got a receding hairline and everything. Uh, it looks like a head. So that, this is where that symbol, that word came from. Um, the word wow means it's to secure, to bind, to establish. It represents nail. The letter chet is a fence or a chamber, a gate, protect, separate. So what does that mean? In essence, when you look at the structure of these three letters together, they basically say that from the head, there is an establishment that's coming out from a chamber, the lungs, right? It's a wind. And then if you go even further into that, the, the head produces this security that encompasses whatever is going on. So when we look at Genesis 1-2 and, and really think about what it's saying here from a spirit perspective, the earth was without form and void, darkness upon the face of the deep, and, and the Spirit of God moved on the faces of the waters. There is a difference between breath and spirit and, and even the root word of it, which means, we're just going to go into it in a second, which means smell. The root word of breath is actually smell. I'm sorry. The root word of spirit is actually the word smell, which is fascinating to me. Uh, we're going to talk about that here and again in a second. But this word is really talking about something that is covering over something and enveloping it and protecting it. And you can see that in these three letters coming together in order to provide meaning to that particular word. It comes from the head. It is a, a protection. It is an establishment. It is something that comes upon you and in a sense rests and, and puts its influence into whatever's going on. That is spirit. Think about the word anger and, and a spirit of anger or, or a spirit of, of, um, of something bad that, that comes upon you. And what is it that it's really doing? It, it comes upon you like a cloak, like, a, like, a, like an enveloping thing that wraps around and, and either keeps you from doing something or if it's a good spirit, you know, helps you to do something. It empowers you. It envelops you. That's what these three words together are representing. <clears throat> Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool, the, the ruach of the day, and Adam hid his wife, and Adam and his wife hid themselves. <laughs> Adam hid his wife. Hey, you gotta hide. Get in the closet. Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Cool of the day. You would think cool is, it has something to do with temperature. It does not. It has to do with this idea that coming from the, the head, this breath establishes itself on the ground and, and presents an atmosphere that they were walking towards or through. That was the cool of the day. It was the morning. You think about the morning, and usually if you wake up really early and you're coming out, the heat of the sun uh, as it's peaking starts to warm the ground, right? And then what do you see? You see dew, 
you see fog sometimes, depending on, on where you're located. That's the cool of the day, where, where something is being established and happening. That's what these three letters represent. Genesis 8.20, And Noah built an ark unto the Lord, and took every clean beast, and of every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord, Ruach, similar word, this is the basis of, of Ruach, a sweet savor. Rhea, similar word, this is from that basic word, Ruach, Ruach. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more everything living as I have done. The root word of Ruach, Ruach is Ruach, without the W. It's got a different letter in the middle there. It's on the second page, and it is the Yod. So Ruach 7306, to blow, to breathe. To, to smell, and this was particularly when they were talking about horses and the way that they smelled, and of delight. So going to the next page here, page two, you'll see at the top there, same thing from the head, same thing in a chamber or, or from a protection or separate perspective, but the middle letter being different is the work, the hand, the activity, the deed. We're going we're gonna to go into that a lot more as we talk about the name of God and, and what it represents. But, but at, at, a, at the highest level, really, it's that middle part that changes. One, the, the, the wall is talking about an establishment, something that is set there. It's, it's there. Um, we, you, know, you talk about the nail. When you, when you take a hammer and you put a nail in, that nail is there, right? You could take it out, but it's there. It's solid. In fact, we use nails to keep things in place. This church is, I'm sure, littered with nails all over the place. Uh, as we're building buildings, you put nails into the wall, and those things tend to stay where they are. Now you get settling and stuff, but we won't get into that. So nails, right? Nails are used to establish. Nails are used to put something in its place. This is not that word. This letter is talking about getting to the place of establishment. It talks about working. It's activity. It's represented by the hand. If you look on the back of your chart, it looks like a little arm. It's got a, a Y at the end, like two fingers, little alien fingers, and then it's got the, the arm and the elbow and the little crook, right? That's what that symbol represented. It represented activity. It represented somebody doing something. And then the yod, the shorter form of that in the modern Hebrew, is the nail. It's the establishment. I'm sorry, the longer form of that is the establishment, right? So you've got the short yod, the long wall, you've got the arm. This is the difference between spirit and smell, spirit and breath. And it's interesting. Isaiah 11, 1, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom. These are all ruach, by, by the way. Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. This, this understanding is that word, that root word, ruah. And, and I put an I in there so you can see 
the, the pronunciation difference, because I know I'm doing a horrible job of, of differentiating them. I just sound like I'm saying rua, rua, rua all the time. Ra, ra, ra. And, and I wrote down, I smell a rat, because this is essentially that same type of etymology. You ever heard that phrase, I smell a rat? I looked it up. I was like, where do we even get that from, right? Who came up with that? And, and it came from the idea that if you had rats, you brought a cat in, okay? And the cat would smell the rats. And this, that cat would go after that smell in order to find those rats and get them out. And so we used that idiom and, and, and as, it, as it progressed and moved and moved and, and turned into this, this type of um, discernment and understanding of what was going on. We use this not in reference to real rats or cats. We use this in reference to say there's something fishy going on, which is another idiom we'll talk about, right? There's something going on here. I smell a rat. It's more of an old-timey thing. We don't say it anymore. I smell a rat. And, and what do we really mean by that? There's something wrong in this situation. I, I, something is piquing my interest and, and my smell, this active breathing thing is letting me know that there is something going on here that I, that I don't like. Same thing with something fishy, right? Why fish? Because fish are pungent. They smell. It's a strong smell. If you've ever been into an office and, and someone has brought fish and they microwave it, it's the worst. It might be tasty, but it's the worst. Uh, at home, I have to be very careful that we don't have fish leftovers because, man, it may still still taste great the next day, but it smells horrible when you warm it up. So this fishy, this smell of rat, all are the same idea, the concept here of ruach, which is that understanding. There is there's something that is piquing my interest in it that I'm that I'm trying to discern and gauge the pattern of. That's what this breath really is. Is I am bringing things in and extrapolating or bringing things out. You see the movement there? In and out. When we think about smell and breath, it's dynamic. It's something that's going on. I've, I've been in situations where I used to love this. It's not anymore because it's gone, but we used to drive off of uh, 75 and um, something, it doesn't matter anymore, over by SMU. We would drive by SMU, and every time we drove in that area, I would roll down my window. The bread. Do you remember doing that? Anybody else do that? You would drive down that. I would roll down my window every time, and that bread was just so delicious. Man, it was great. Um, smells bring back memories. They're, they're dynamic. They, they do something within you that causes this, this breath to just inhale. And then there's other times where you walk into a room, and what do you do? You lock it up. You close it. I'm not going any further in there. Why? Why are smells so important? You know, you go into a place and it's, it's your body, your brain telling you whatever's going on in this room is not for you. Do not go in there. Uh, remember when we went to Africa, Uganda, and, and having to use the restroom in, in those areas where I was like, that's not going to happen. I'm, I'm going to go find a tree far away from everybody else because I'm not going into that little thing that you call a bathroom. There's just no way. But smell does that. The difference between this word and spirit is, is the dynamic nature of it. With spirit, it's established. It's, it's, it's nailed in there. There's a, there's a 
I want to say purpose because there's purpose to both of them, but it's something that is um, enveloping you and puts you in the place where you need to be or, or maybe where you don't need to be when it's, a, when it's a malign spirit. That's the difference between these two words, and it's just one letter, the yod and the wall. That becomes important as we start to do, as we start to continue in this study. So look at this. The word Yahweh, it's, it's, <clears throat> it's transcribed as Jehovah sometimes, but more than likely it's going to be found in your Bible with a capital L-O-R-D. When you see a lowercase, um, capital L, lowercase O-R-D, it's a different word. But, but the Bible scholars really try to do a good job of, of differentiating between the different gods and lords and Elohim and Adonai and all that good stuff. When you see capital L-O-R-D, it is mostly always translated as or from the word Yahweh. The Yod, the Hey, the Wow, and the Hey. That's what this word is. Um, interesting thing about Yahweh is we actually don't know if that's how it's pronounced. They, they didn't use vowels in the Hebrew language, so it could be Yo-Wo for all we know. Um, I don't think it is, but that's, that's, that's where we get this from. They were not allowed to pronounce the name of God for good reason. They didn't want to take the Lord's name in vain, right? One of the commandments. So they didn't pronounce God's name. They used, they used a different word to assign to the Lord whenever they wanted to speak of the Lord, which is why we have Lord or God or something like that. But his actual name was never pronounced and in a similar fashion, never written down, quote unquote, appropriately. So we get these four, these four letters. It's called the Tetragrammatron. Um, these four letters represent the name of God, but they're not obviously the full name of God. We, we have turned it into Yahweh based on some scholarly stuff that I won't get into today. It's very fascinating for me. If you want to find it, let me know and I'll, I'll send it to you as well. Um, but but we've, we, from these four letters, we get Yahweh. Notice here how we have the Yod, we have the Wal, and then we have the He and the He. So Yod, He, Wal, He is the name of God. And, and as we spoke on just a minute ago when we were talking about spirit, <coughs> the Yod is what? The active, moving hand, right? The Wal is the secure, the established, the binding. And then sandwiched in between those is the He, the the grace, the reveal, the mercy, right? The, the, the showmanship of, of what's going on. Going on to page three, we're, we're still talking about Yahweh, but, but I want to show you how we're talking about it. We're going to take off one of those letters, um, which is the, the wow, and it becomes the root word of that, which is to exist. So the root word of the name of God literally means to exist. And, and so what they, were doing by, well, what they were saying by doing that is they're saying, look, we have a word for existence, but God is the always existing one or the self-existing one is really what they're saying by using this word. So it came to um, the word haya, H-Y-H, hey, yod, hey, haya, means to exist. And we get that here in Genesis 1, 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. 
let there exist light. In Exodus 3.14, God said unto Moses, I exist that I exist. I be that I be. I am that I am. He said, tell them that I am the one that exists has sent you. It's this word, Hayah. So his name was the existing one. That's the name of God, the one that is self-existing. And the way they came together in, in the letters was the Yod and the Wah. So think about, I wrote it here for you, the Yod being the hammer, the activity, and the nail um, being that tool that you put things to establish. God is both of those things at the same time. He is the, he is the one that is active and establishes. That's what the name of God means, the one that is active within us and the one that has and will establish. Where have we heard that before, right? He was here in the, in the beginning, he is here now, and he will be here in the future, right? That's, that's that same concept, Genesis 2-7. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. This word life is hey. It is just the H and the Y, the hey and the yod. This, this revelation, this, this showmanship, and this activity. So, so when we break down what life is, it is showing activity. That's it. That's life. That's how the Hebrews represented life. It's something that shows activity. We, we have a hard time, um, science, I should say, has a hard time defining life, which is why we get all these crazy notions um, and, and people getting so excited about finding life on other planets. And if we found water, we found life and, and all these things. We, we really cannot define life. And, and the reason is because we have, I think, a very rudimentary understanding of what truly constitutes life. And, and it causes problems throughout our world. Uh, so an example of that is, uh, from a very basic standpoint, life, in order to have life, it needs to be able to uh, consume and it needs to be able to reproduce. Um, and, and that is part of the building blocks of, of what life is. But the thing is here, fire can consume and fire can reproduce but we don't consider fire alive. We, we think about the soul, right? Do we have a, a spirit, a soul? Um, and then you've got PETA who, who thinks about animals, who they're there to protect animals, good for them, you know? Um, and they, they talk about how animals are alive. I mean, I believe they're alive too, right? They're, they're consuming, they're reproducing. Uh, do they have a soul? I don't know, maybe, yes. Some would argue yes, some would argue no. Um, and then you think about plants. Are plants alive? Do plants have a soul? So, so how are we defining, and this is why I'm saying it's, it's very, I'm not gonna define it here today, uh, but this is, this is why we have so many different issues with this, this particular thing called life. For the Hebrews, it was very simple. It was, there is, it's showing activity. It's showing this, this idea that it can exist. I am that I am. Um, 
I, don't, I can't remember who said it, but right, I think therefore I am, was the whole idea that we were getting to when it came to life. I, I know that I exist, and so therefore I exist. For the purposes of our teaching, now we can go backwards into this teaching. Life, hay in the yod. From that hay in the yod comes the, the showing of life and then the showing, which is the existing, right? Not only am I alive, but I'm showing that I am alive. Going up some more, then you get the name of God, the one who is eternally existing and continuing to establish into our lives. From there, we get this concept of the breath, the, the smell, and then from there, we get the Ruach. That's how all of these letters work together to build words. So then we get into, where are we? Page four. No. Yeah, page four. Thank you. Something that Pastor taught on, I want to say years ago because I've lost track of time now, um, but it was around Nuwak and Ruwak. They sound the same, right? The only difference is the, the letter at the beginning. And, and it's important that we see what it really means. So Genesis chapter 5, verse 28, and, and Lamech lived 182 years and begat a son, and he called his name Noah, Noah. The same shall comfort us concerning our work and toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord has cursed. It was, it was a prophetic name. It was actually an establishing name. The name means to rest. We'll get to rest here in a minute. Um, and, and it's interesting that our, our seminar is going to be titled His Rest, which I'm still working on the brochure. I'll get that to you soon. Um, but his, his name means rest, and we're going to see kind of where this comes from. So, so we break down, it's from H5146, we break down the letters, none, which means life, activity, action, and, and the, the chet, the chet, which is that fence, inner chamber, the protection, right? His Name literally means to protect life. That's the name of Noah. His name means protector, chamber of life, which I find fascinating. So not only was it prophetic, but, but it's something that um, I think the Lord did to, to really exemplify what this language was supposed to mean for his people. Protector of life. In Genesis chapter 8, we see this. Verse 1, And God remembered Noah, the protector of life, and every living thing that he was protecting, all the cattle that was with him in the ark, the protecting vessel. And God made a ruach to pass over the earth. And the waters assuaged, the fountains also of the deep, and the winds of heavens were stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained, and the waters returned from off the earth continually. And after the end of the hundred and fifty days, the waters were abated, and the ark rested, Nuach, in the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month, upon the mountains of Ararat. From the protector of life comes rest. What does rest really mean here? So we get the same beginning of the word, the nun, the life. Then we get that chet, right, the protection. What's in the middle? 
that establishment, the establishment. We talked about this for, what, 20 minutes now, 30 minutes now. The difference between the yod and, and the nail, the wall, is that establishment. So when you think about what, what rest is really talking about, I was thinking about um, retirement the other day. Not because I want to retire or am, am old enough to retire, but because my boss is at the age where, where he can and, and maybe should retire. Um, but strong individual, healthy, full of life, and, and able to do the things that he wants to do. Um, but he's talking about retirement. He's talking about when's a good time. Is, is he financially stable? Is he secure? Has he done all the things that he wants to do? When, when does a person retire? Does it just have to do with money? And, and what this is really talking about, this word here, that rest, is really talking about that concept of you get to a place in your life where the, the life and the protection is being established by someone else. And now I can rest. When, when it's being taken care of, when I've done my job, the establishment of all those things allows me to get to a place where now I can rest. You think about the seven days of creation. Creation, 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 rest. God rested on that seventh day, on that seventh day. And, and what does it really mean? He, he knew walked on that day. Why? Because he had established all the things that were going to cre create this universe, this world for us. He said, I'm doing this, 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 and this, and I am done doing those things. And so now I can, I, I, it has been established and I can rest. That's what this letter here represents. That's what the wall is really all about. And we see that in spirit. We see that in smell or breath. We see that in the life of Noah. It's fascinating that we see this in the life of Noah. Never knew that about his name. His name literally means protector of life. So, so what do we get from that? Where are we? Page five, right? There is an extension in that story. Um, oh, in fact, we, I think it's on page four. Yes, on page four, at the very bottom, Genesis chapter eight. But the dove found no rest, Manoah, for the sole of her foot. And she returned unto him into the ark for the waters, where on the face of the whole, were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her in unto him into the ark. Rest, but not Nuach, it's Manoah, Manoah. So we got to find out why. Why is there a mem at the beginning there? I'm going to spoil something real quick for you. There, there are maybe six, seven places where this particular word is found, and every one of them has a negative connotation. Every single one of them. Not because the word itself is negative, but the, the letter that it is associated with it brings that negative connotation. Here's what I mean. So the word is uh, Manoah, H4494. It means to be quiet or a settled spot, a home, a place of rest. It, it still means rest. According to Strong, it still means rest, a resting place, a condition. Um, the difference between Nuach and Manoah is the Mem. 
If you look at your chart, but I have it right here for you, it comes from the meaning water, chaos, disorder, strength, and mighty. That's what mem means. That's what it talks about. Whenever you have that M word, it usually comes from this, this area of chaos or disorder. Whether that word is causing chaos or reacting to chaos really depends on the rest of the letters. But this particular one is talking about chaos. And we see this, interestingly enough, in the life of a man named Manoah. Fascinating story, Judges chapter 13. Does anybody know who Manoah is before you read into here? You guys remember this name? His, his wife's name is never mentioned in Scripture. She is called the wife or his wife, never has a name. Manoah is mentioned several times in that passage. The father of Samson. Not someone that you probably regularly think about, right? The father of Samson. And, and reading his story, I, I think, clarifies what this rest is really talking about. Because, forgive me for saying it this way, but Manoah sounds like an idiot. He really does. When we look at Manoah, Judges chapter 13, there was a certain man, named, uh, man of Zorah, of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and bare not. I broke down the story for you. This is not scripture here. It's just me telling you what happened. So an angel came to Manoah's wife, and he says to her, hey, you're going to have a child, and this child is going to be very important. Um, and, and there are certain things that I don't want you to do because this child is going to be so important. And, and he tells her about the, the, the don't touch any dead things, don't drink any wine, and, and don't cut his hair. Okay? She tell, he tells the wife, who is, remains unnamed, he tells the wife, these are the things that you need to do. And, and the angel leaves. Angel goes away. And, and she freaks out. She's like, oh my gosh, this is, this is crazy. I don't, I don't know what to do. So she runs to Manoah and tells Manoah, hey, this, this just happened to me. This angel revealed himself unto me and he told me these three things and this is what I have to do. And, and Manoah says, let me pray about it. So he goes into his prayer closet, chamber, whatever. And he says, hey, Lord, can you send that angel back down so I can talk to him? And the Lord does, but he doesn't send him to Manoah. Manoah's off doing his work. The wife is doing her work, and the angel reappears to the wife. The angel did not appear to Manoah. And so now I start to question, why? Why would God not send the angel to what, what is traditionally in, in Scripture and, and in that day and age, right, the head of the household? Why would the angel not come to the head of the house? So now I'm starting to think, okay, maybe Manoah is an idiot. But the angel comes, he shows up, and he talks to the wife, and he says, look, just do what I asked you to do. The things that I told you to do are very important. Go do them. And she says, wait, wait, wait. Let me go get my husband. Wait here. So she runs. She gets Manoah and, and says, hey, look, this is, this is what I was talking about. And Manoah says, hey, so... What did you tell her? And the angel's like, Ugh. okay, look, just tell her to do the things that I told her to do. These are the things. Do these things. And, and then let's leave it at that, okay? Just, just do what I've asked you to do, please. And Manoah says, hey, 
let's have dinner. Let me, let me cook you a steak. We're going to kill the fatted calf. I'm going to make you some dinner. Maybe we can talk about some things. And, and I would love to know your name, right? Can you introduce yourself? And, and I would love to sacrifice something to you. And the angel's like, oh, do what I've said. No, please, 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 for the love of God, do not sacrifice anything to me. If you're going to sacrifice, sacrifice it to the Lord because he's the important one in this relationship. I'm just the messenger, right? And Manoah, I, I guess taking some of this to heart, decides to do a sacrifice regardless of what the angel said. And so he builds this altar. He, he puts the sacrifice on there. They light it up. And, and in the flame, the angel uh, starts to get into it and, and in, in a big showmanship type thing disappears, right? It, it's off into the fire. And, and Manoah's like, whoa, that was an angel. We should probably do something about this. And that's kind of how the story ends. So it's interesting to me that the word, his name means to rest, but it really comes from a resting from chaos. And I think that's really representative of who Manoah was. This chaos of, I, I, I really don't, I don't know what's going on. And so he just, he just kind of sits and waits for the next chaos thing to happen because he's not understanding. That's the word Manoah. And we see that coming all full circle. We see that in this letter, Mem, the chaos. If you look at, this is just a freebie here. You look at uh, Aleph and Bet. Those are the two letters that, that represent father, right? What is it saying? Is it saying that fathers are ox houses? It's saying that they are the head, the strength of the house. That's what Manoah was supposed to be, but instead he was Manoah. So after all this is said and done, in continuation, Judges chapter 13, right? The angel finally says, I got to go, you know, I'm, I'm going off into uh, glory land. They start the fire. Manoah's asking him, what's your name? What's your name? And the angel of the Lord said unto him, why askest, askest thou thus after my name, seeing it is secret? Pele. So I ask you, as, as we close up this, this session, what is the angel's name? What does this really mean when we think about the words that were used? And, and I've given you a little hint here. This, the, the word pele has the root, pala, which means wonderful. In Genesis chapter 18, pala, anything pala for the Lord is anything too wonderful for the Lord. What does pale mean? It. That's, that's the message. So look at your chart. Look at the letters. Start from right to left. Don't forget, Hebrew language is from right to left. We'll discuss it for the next 10 minutes and then we'll be done. Yes.
So, if I were to go back and look at, say, the seven passages that Manoah is used, is it when the dove rested? It's, it's when the dove could not find rest. Okay, so literally, it, 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 it's chaos. It comes from chaos. Right, so literally it means to rest, but it's, it's in a context of, I can't find that rest. Or, I have come from a place where I was unrestful and finally I can just kind of sit down. But there's more chaos maybe around me, or it, that just finished and I don't know what's coming next. So that's, that's what I mean by negative. The word still means rest, right? But yes, so then when the dove actually, I should just look it up, when the dove actually, dove actually rested, is that... Um, I, I don't know if the dove actually ever rested. That's oh, a good question. You're true, you're right. It, it, it flew away. Yeah, it flew away. So I, I don't know if Nuwak is ever used with the dove. That's a good question. I like it. I should have studied it myself. No, no. I'm glad you brought it up. Because it can be confused. Manoah still means rest. It, it means rest. But, but in context, it means rest from chaos, or there's chaos in that rest, or, or something like that. But definitely look at them. I, I encourage all of you to look at those <coughs> scriptures and, and see what you see. So we'll start with the rightmost character. What, what character is that? Does, as, as, as Rick pointed out, yeah, pay. Ignore the dots and the dashes. Uh, sometimes they're unhelpful for us. Pay means what? Speak. 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 Mouth opening. Yeah. What about the next one? Lamed. We talked about Lamed earlier. What is Lamed? Authority, either one who carries authority by virtue of someone else's authority or one who has authority in and of themselves. Uh, what about that, that next one? Creator. Creator. Least strength. Thank you, Scott. I can hear you from back there. <laughs> it's not pronounced, right? We know that, but regardless, it means strength or leader. So if we were to just talk about pala without the pale, let's talk about pala first, it means what? Put those three words together. Speaking what? the authority of the Creator. Say it again, Rick. Speaking the authority of the Creator. Beautiful. Speaking the authority of the Creator. He is Jewish. He is Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Beautifully said. Would anybody say it differently? That, I, I'm 100% with that. But anybody have a different way of interpreting that? It's Greek to me, though. It's all, you know, it's Hebrew to you. <laughs> Speaking the authority of the Creator. Scott, were you saying something? With strength. With strength. Yes, with strength. So, pala, mouth, authority, strength. Speaking the authority of the Creator, and to Scott's point, with strength. That's what the word pala means. So, so when it says in Genesis 18, is anything too hard, right? The, the Lord is basically saying, I have the authority and the power by my voice to do all of these things. We, we translate that word pala 
as wonderful or exciting or amazing or, or things like that. Uh, but it comes from this idea that, that there is authority and there is strength or power in the words of God. And that is the amazing thing. And that's what brings the amazing things. When God said, let there be light, he didn't snap his fingers. He wasn't poking buttons. He said, he spoke with authority, let there be light. That's what the word pala means. What does pele mean? Work. Work. Expound on that. That's, that's, what, that's what yod means, right? Yeah. Work, activity. activity work. Yep. Uh, deed. deed. Yeah, hand. hand. Some, someone doing something. What, Zach? Just do it. Just do it. Yeah, that's, that's the yod, right? When we add the, the yod to the pala or the pala, sorry, when we add the yod to the pala, what are we saying? When we add the deed, work, hand, activity to wonderful strength, authority of God, what are we saying? What is his name? And, and I'm, I'm not trying to trick you here. There's not a, like a name that's going to come out and say, oh, his name is Richard. That's, that's not what I'm trying to get to. What does his name represent? What is he saying when he said, my name is secret? He does the work of God. Yes. Beautiful. Thank you, brother. You are Jewish. My name is secret. What he really was saying was, my name comes from the mouth of the one authority with power, and it's my job to just do it. That's my name. In other words, I, I don't have an identity. I'm not a person the way that you would think about people. I'm a messenger. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a being whose whole existence and purpose my identity is to do the will of God. That's my name. That's my name. Does that make sense? It's beautiful when you look at it this way, that, that the word wonderful, you just add one letter, one character to it, and it has not a, not a whole new meaning, but it adds richness to that meaning. My name is secret. And, and I think I, I don't fault the translators for translating it to secret. Uh, I think more than anything, it, it encourages us to really look and study to show yourself approved the words that are in this scripture because they have meaning. And, and this, ideally, I think this is why Tammy liked it so much, this should help you to do that. And there are so many other resources on the internet that you, I'm sure you can find that are better than mine. This is just scratching the surface. The word pala is wonderful. It's, it's the creator doing something or, or establishing something, but the word pele is the person whose job it is to show how wonderful God is. That's what his name is. My name is Secret. My name is Wonderful Doer, basically. So thank you, brother. Good job. Um, and I encourage you all to continue to look. We have five minutes, so we'll pause here, see if there's any questions, thoughts. Yes? At first blush, it seemed uh, ironic to me 
that there's a the, the name of God is not spoken; it's secret. Mm -hmm. So you have a name replacement. When you have a name replacement, that becomes the name of God, which defeats the purpose. Right. Of not saying the first name. Don't say my name. Okay, we'll just call you Yahweh then. You know, yeah, it's it's. Like, Okay, but you just defeated your purpose when you created a new name, yeah. so you wouldn't say that name. Yeah. And, and I'm thinking, why? You know, we have word replacements all the time, but right. usually so you don't say a bad word. <laughs> <laughs> now here's a word replacement we're finding this morning that is the name of God because you're not going to use the name of God. Right. Same question, why? Why? I think it's interesting you see the verbs and the, the nouns. I mean, it, it makes sense because one's the verb that creates the noun right. that establishes what the verb was doing. Yeah. I mean, that's always the case when you're looking at the words. Yep. Didn't they say that when they, <coughs> that the, the letters without the vowels were the, were the like actual breathing sounds? Ah, yeah, so when you think of the word Yahweh, for example, I, I saw this online. It's not mine. I saw this online somewhere. But, but the scholar was saying that Yahweh is the first words that you will utter when you're born and the last words you'll utter when you die. So when you think about Yah, Yahweh, so when you die, you breathe out, right? When, you, when you're born, you, you breathe that in, which I thought was just beautiful. Um, and thank you for bringing it up. You know, the, I, I do know that uh, some scholars have said that the name of God is Andy. You heard this? Yes. Andy walks with me, Andy talks with me. <laughs> or what was the other one? His name was, was Harold. <laughs> Our Father who art in heaven, Harold be thy name. <laughs> Something like that. But yeah, I, I thought that, that Yahweh thing was, was fascinating. And, and to your point, it's not a name. But Yahweh, the existing one, is still a, an identifier, right? Yeah. It's a name. It's good. You know, you, met, you mentioned at the beginning about being careful, like, what you're studying, because it, there can be deviations in it. So when you were talking out of Genesis 8 on page 1, I pulled it up on my Bible program and didn't realize that my Bible program was in Manasseh with Strong's, because I looked something at Manasseh this morning. And when it says, and the Lord smelled a sweet savor, they translated is the Rhea and not the Ruah. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, wait, that's confusing. But then when I pulled up the King James, it's Ruah. Yes. So depending on the translation yes. of what you're looking at, you have to be careful. <coughs> Which means the NASB? Would you say NASB? NASB. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's more accurate in that sense because it's not Ruah. It's, it's Rhea. It's Rhea. Yeah. There's so much. Yeah. Be careful out there, folks. <laughs> and, and here's the thing. Foundationally, it's okay, right? It's still coming from that idea of breath and wind and spirit. But as we, as saints, dive deeper into these things, then it does become important um, to see the differentiation, especially because of what I've said here in the, the, the wall versus the yod. Those mean things, the establishment versus the activity, the noun versus the verb. Which, which one is the Lord really saying to us when we read this. At the surface, it's okay. As we dive deeper, there's, there's study that needs to be done. Well, it doesn't contradict the revelation that God's given. No. And that's what's really interesting, too, is that, you know, but the church doesn't see it. So 
So it is a revelation, nonetheless, because it was hidden yeah. until the time when God wanted to reveal. Yeah. A deep desire to understand Hebrew better. So you're going to study Hebrew? I, I, I would love to. I've, I've actually looked into it, uh, and it's expensive. Mm -hmm. If you do it through like a school and stuff. And then there's classes that you can take at like a Jewish community center. And, and I'm not Jewish. I'm sure they'd let me in, but you, you know, there's that. There you go. I'll, just, I'll bring Rick with me. <laughs> I'll just say oi vey all the time, and, and maybe that'll get me in. That'll get you in, yeah. for sure. Where are you you know, just a little, here you go. Um, but and then it's all about time and money, right? Do I have the time and do I have the money to do that sort of thing? So for now, I'm, I'm just diving deeper. And, and a big part of that was understanding just first, what are the letters and what do they represent? And that's what led to that study. And so then now that I'm continuing, then you get into the dots and the dashes and then it's language and it's, it's a whole more complicated thing. But I think necessary as we start looking at, you know, this, the, the translation. So when you think about, this is where I started uh, with this one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It, it's not how it's written in the Bible, right? We write it that way in English because that's how we understand grammatically what it was saying. But in the Bible, what it actually says is God created, or God in the beginning created, the heaven, or and heaven and earth. It uses and in there twice. Uh, it doesn't matter, right? And we really, it, having two ands is, I don't think, revolutionary to our understanding of that passage. But it is different when we think about the way that they say things, Hebrew, ancient Hebrew, versus the way that we say things. And so that particular passage may not have revelation, but others might, right? There's probably other passages where having that double issue. It's like this last one on page five. Is anything too hard? Pastor has constantly said the double issuance is important. There's a, there's a double issuance of Palah in this passage. Palah, anything Palah for the Lord. Why is it in there twice? That's important. Uh, us reading the word is, we probably dismiss it. Oh, it's is. It's just an interjection, right? No, it's Palah. And Palah is an important word once we really start to study it. It's the it's the mouthpiece of the authority of God. Is anything that for the Lord? So now I'm getting geeky about it, but, but that's why. That's why I started to study. And what about where King James says purposely rearrange things or lift things out because he wanted to maintain control of the people? There's, there's a lot of that in so many different versions of the Bible. And so absolutely... Um, I, I love the King James. That's the one I use primarily, maybe exclusively. Is there problems with it? Probably. Um, there's, there's other versions the where... Does the Spirit allow the problem? Most definitely. Right. So we, so we, have, to be, we have to be careful, because to me it's not about which translation are you using. I think when you're going to read the Bible, read the Bible. Right? Whatever translation you've got, read it. It's the most wonderful thing that you can do. And he will breathe life into it, whether it's the Passion Bible that talks about broccoli or the King James, right? Read it, because if you can get to that place where you're excited about going deeper, 
that's really all that matters. And, and so, yes, are there things missing? Maybe, but I think it's our job to find those missing things. That's really where we need to say, well, what does the, the true scripture say about this? And then you go into the Hebrew translated version or transliterated version and start to compare. And man, that's going to get you down a rabbit hole that I think you will enjoy. Yes. There's a, there's a Greek interlinear and there's a Hebrew interlinear that I found uh, that are just wonderful for you to be able to say, is this, is this how it really came out to be? Yeah. And is this the word that they were using? You were going to say something? I was just going to say that that's what we've been doing for 26 years. I mean, the Lord has been revealing his yeah. truth to us in his timing. So, yeah. Yeah. Because it is a mystery. It's absolutely. And it's only going to be revealed when he's ready for it to be revealed. Oh, you're studying Fabian. It's not going to reveal it. That's no. Thing. Yeah. I mean, you can look at these letters and read these definitions, and only his spirit can breathe upon what he wants you to know that's yeah. new. <laughs> Again, the spirit, the establishment, that nail, only the spirit can put that nail in. Right now, it's just breath. Yeah. It's the in and out and me learning. And at some point, the spirit's going to put a nail in that and say, this is revelation. It's beautiful. Uh, my question was, <clears throat> do you think that you would be willing to do something like this on Zoom? On Zoom. On Zoom. <laughs> uh, I was thinking about the listeners today. Hopefully, the ones that are faithful had printed the handout because mm. you know you've got to have the visual, you know, to process. But um, I just kind of envisioned you uh, doing like a beginner's class with this on Zoom and. Uh, it is a visual. Uh, behind you was like a dry erase board. And sometimes you would project things, and sometimes you were actually writing on the board yeah. next to what was projected. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it, it can get really deep, Pastor Fabian, I get that. But um, I was just thinking about a beginner's class. Yeah. That would have a specific start and stop date. It wouldn't be endless. Um, <coughs> I, and I think that would also promote other interest with in-person things as well. But I think it's something we should. Uh, <coughs> yeah, absolutely. Not opposed to it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, this is great, and I can see where you know we we moved up a slot. I mean, I I loved the first one, but oh my gosh, I learned so much more Good. this time <laughs> as well. Yeah. Like the second. Awesome. Like the second step. Yeah. You know, like you're gonna put together. This teaching and it's like you know twelve sessions or something. You know you you would apportion it out. Right. Okay. Well, it was very good. It was mm -hmm. very enlightening, um, uh, and I think you can uh, use this going forward. I do. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you all. So keep studying. Keep studying. <laughs> keep studying. <laughs>